everyone. Welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. Today I'm talking with Dale White. Together we are going to provide some information about the Acrobatic Arts Creativity Scholarship. Dale White, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here with you, Lorraine, and thank you for asking me to do this. And thanks to Acrobatic Arts for having me. I feel very honored. I am so excited to talk with you today. You are one of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. And we are going to talk about a few of my favorite subjects, creativity and choreography. We will also, <laughs> we will also discuss the Dale White Creativity Scholarship. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a bit about your background, where you grew up, and how you became interested in choreography? Sure. Well, my roots are in the sport of baton twirling, and I actually started twirling baton when I was four years old. And uh, that just evolved to the point where choreography and performance and learning skill and developing skill and utilizing music and performing in front of a crowd, it just kind of evolved and you sort of was uh, kind of thrown into that in the early stages of our sport. When I actually competed, it was mostly just a demonstration of skill in various disciplines within the sport and very little to do with choreography, very little to do with musical interpretation. So I had to sort of learn that as I go, as the sport evolved. Now, beautifully, I can say and proudly that the sport of baton twirling is now very universal and it's very, very artistic and extremely influenced by choreography and the great choreographers from all types of disciplines, including acrobatic arts, the world of dance, and even Cirque du Soleil. So I've, I've learned a lot throughout the years, and um, I've tried to apply that to all of my students as, uh, I've, as I've developed them and certainly learned all the techniques of choreography as we go. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's quite, been quite a ride for me. Amazing. Now I did a podcast with Maureen a few weeks ago and we discussed the module one scholarship and just like her scholarship, the module two scholarship has applicants from all over the world and is continuing to grow in numbers of the teachers who apply every year. So for example, in 2019, we had 14 applicants for your scholarship. And then in 2020, we had 35. That's quite an amazing growth. And I, for one, can't wait to see how 2021 turns out. Could you tell us a little bit about what you look for in a teacher who applies for the Module 2 Creativity Scholarship? Yeah, first of all, I'm very honored to be involved in that. I look forward to it every single year. It's a real treat for me to do that. Why? Because I just love the approaches of everyone in terms of choreography, what they're 
sense of development is, how they influence students, and just how they interpret and react to music, how they interpret and react to uh, their students with performance. So I really do look forward to that greatly. It's very interesting to me that people can interpret and they can approach choreography in so many different ways. And what's great about the acrobatic arts program and dance in general is that it utilizes exercised and developed skills of movement in order for that to be like the vocabulary of body movement in order for the choreography then to have a base. So I'm really interested in the development um, and I have the, I kind of have three stages of development um, in terms of choreography that I use. But I know that a lot of acrobatic arts students that apply for the scholarship are teachers and that's where it all begins. So it's very interesting for me to see that development and to see how they go from being a teacher to actually an artistic developer, which is what I consider stage three. And out of your applicants that you've had so far, is there anything that stands out to you or anything that would be interesting for our listeners? Yeah, I really feel like that a lot of the applicants are very strong with their, their um, method of approach in terms of technique. And they understand that there's a definite syllabus. It's so wonderful because, you know, the, the most important thing that any student that's going to perform needs to have in their whole repertoire is the sense of security and the sense of confidence. And as a teacher, I think that it's the most important thing to develop a skill safely in order for the student to be really secure. And of course, because of that security and safety, the student becomes confident. Obviously, that is an inherent skill and an inherent quality that is going to be the vocabulary that is used for choreography later on you know, in, in their future. So I really look at where the uh, applicant is in terms of their own teaching ability and what they envision in terms of the artistry and how that all comes together performed to an audience that may be a lay audience that doesn't understand like the technique, but they understand the expression and the communication and certainly the emotion of choreography. So I kind of look for that entire package from day one to the day where they're actually performing on stage. Great. Now you mentioned three stages of development that you use in your choreography. So let's go back and what, what is stage one? Stage one for me is the teacher, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I have the opportunity of working and choreographing for many people that maybe are not great at choreography, but they're great teachers. Isn't it wonderful when you can actually choreograph something, a piece of work on somebody that has all of the skills necessary? So for me, stage one is the teacher aspect. And we all know being teachers that you spend hours and hours and months and years on developing a skill. And I know with acrobatic arts, it's wonderful because you can take those skills in, in terms of, of a developmental syllabus and, and really teach you know, from, from the groundwork up. 
And I think that that's the most important thing, my respect for the teacher and the persistence and the patience that they have to have in order to teach all those skills are, are really tremendous. And it's vital because without the substance of true, true teaching of the skill, we have nothing. The next stage would be stage two, and that's the choreographer. Now, sometimes the choreographer is different from the teacher. Sometimes it's the same. Those skills that are taught then can be arranged and orchestrated within a performance and a program in series form, which is great. And that is just being selective with the material that relates to the music. And then of course, stage three is, is oftentimes a, a stage where it's not really developed much and maybe um, kind of neglected. And that is the stage I call artistic developer. That's when you have the skills taught, you have the program choreographed, but now it has to be communicated to an audience. It has to be felt. There has to be an emotion. There has to be the purpose for it. You know, sometimes we can teach the what and we can develop the how of a skill. But now when we are the artistic developer in stage three, you are going to really relate to the why. And that is the performance aspect of, of uh, making, making a crowd or making an audience really respond to you as an artist rather than simply an athletic dancer or an athletic um, uh, acrobat. So it has to be something that's a little bit more that a general lay audience can relate to. So those are sort of the three stages that, that I've always uh, kind of followed throughout my career. And I think it turned out really well for you. So everyone listen up because those are great <laughs> stages to follow. I think probably most people have a handle on the teaching aspect, especially if you're following a syllabus, have the students achieve the skills in order so that there's safety and progression. And then the choreography, whether they do it themselves or bring someone in. I always think it's good to challenge yourself with your students, then you'll grow as well as a choreographer. And then for the last stage, like you said, maybe a lot of people don't touch on this stage as much as we should to end up with the final product. Do you have any tips or advice for teachers to help their students with performance skills so they're not just doing steps, but actually creating a story and telling a story? Yeah, I, I think that it's really important for teachers um, and choreographers to really talk to their pupils regarding what communication really is. I think that it was my idol, George Balanchine, that said that dance was the purest and most honest form of communication. And it's nonverbal communication, isn't it? Because it's really pure, it's very honest, and movement doesn't lie. And so I think that it's very interesting for teachers to really talk to their performers and try to get them to understand that the skills, the steps, the musicality of the program is, is one thing, but how they can actually develop an emotion and they reach an audience. You know, I think that, I think sometimes too, that it's really important that students understand that this is a dialogue. You know, they have something to actually quote unquote say to their, to their audience. So how you can get them to actually say something through the choreography is very important. 
My advice to anyone that is developing that stage would be try to create three moments, three moments within a piece that is a combination of skill, combination of musicality, and how that equals emotion. Now, the audience will react to the emotion and they will react to that development of those three ingredients together. So, you know, my, my advice is every piece of work that you do has to have three moments, create three moments that you want the audience to always remember and to take away from, you know, and those three moments are going to be purely, you know, the skill, the musical choreography, and of course, the message that it delivers. Now, this is something that I'm interested in, since we're on the topic of communication. Do you think it's the choreographer's job to express their feelings and emotions about a topic or a subject, or to allow the dancer to express their feelings about a topic or an uh, emotion? Wow, that's a, that's a very interesting topic that we could probably have an entire dialogue and an entire podcast on just that alone. It's very interesting because I've talked to other choreographers and, and I would say to them, how do you get inside the head of your performers? How do you tap into that? You know, what if they're simply, you know, just demonstrating a skill and they're just utilizing an exercise, but they're doing it perfectly, but yet they're not doing it with any sense of emotion. Well, I think there's a lot of things that from the acting world that people can utilize. I know I have in the past, you know, you try to list, literally have your students write down on a piece of paper, every emotion that they've ever felt or have seen or know about. It doesn't have to be happy, sad, you know, joyful. It can be anything. And then on another piece of paper, you write expressions, different types of expressions. So it's an awareness, isn't it? It's just trying to get the performer to be aware that emotion has multifaceted aspects to it. And there are a billion types of expressions that can be used. Now, obviously the motivation is gonna come from the, the music. I'm a really big advocate that music really taps into the soul of the listener. And so every time you hear a piece of music, you obviously are gonna feel something, aren't you? You know, you're listening to the radio, you're, you're walking down the aisle in a grocery store, the music is playing, you're gonna to listen to that music and you're gonna feel something and everybody's gonna feel something different probably. So I think that you have to number one, be respectful and really respect the, the music as, as a, a piece of an expressive, expressive art. A lot of times with students, I will have their, uh, their paper beside them at a, at a lesson and I will say, well, we're gonna to listen to this music and we're gonna write down everything that we think about when we hear this piece of music. Kind of start there a little bit. And at the end of the day, I think the goal is to get the student to be one with the music. I know that's an expression, be one with the music, be your music, you have to be the music. And I think that that's really the goal. And that's certainly, uh, it takes a while, it takes a process, it takes you know a little bit of a, of a journey, but I think that that's, it's a very important beneficial journey that's gonna yield a lot of great results for sure. So you would say, as a teacher, 
in the performing arts, it's really part of our job to not only teach the physical skills, but also the emotional and expressive aspect to our genre as well. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's the difference between a student exercising and demonstrating a skill in exercise form and then being a performer in a performance with the emotion. Isn't that the next layer? You know, we learn the skills, we learn the choreography, we, we do these amazing athletic things and we do them correctly, we do them safely, but at the end of the day, there's more to it in, involved, isn't it? Why are these students involved in this activity? They're, they're involved in it because they love it. They love it. Well, what is love? Love is an expression. I mean, it's the, their motivation for even participating as a dancer or as an acrobatic student is absolutely one of love and passion. Why isn't then that part of the development stages of them as a performer? It should be. So I'm a very big advocate of that. That's a great tip. Focus on both sides of the performer, the physical and the emotional. Teach the whole person, as we would say. Dale, is there something that you could tell aspiring choreographers that maybe you wish you would have known growing up? Uh, yes. I wish that I would have been more involved in the, the teaching aspect in stage one. I think that that is the, that is really the true basis of any performance. And I'm talking about it at any level. You can be a beginner, an intermediate or advanced at every level. You know, it's the teaching aspect that I, I wish that I would have spent a little bit more time involved with. This is why I've just, I just highly respect the acrobatic arts program because the teaching and the developmental syllabus is um, just the basis for everything. And I think that that's really important for, for choreographers and certainly artistic developers to keep in mind as well, is that this is very level. It's not something that you strive for at the advanced level. You can become a great teacher or choreographer and artistic developer at a beginning level based on the level of the performer that you have. So all of these aspects are very important in, in that regard, I think. Good answer. Now, Dale, do you have any stories or experiences that you think might help dancers or teachers on this journey? I do actually. Let me take <laughs> let me let me take you back to 1980, <laughs> and um, this was the year of the very first World Baton Twirling Championships, and we were going to have that in uh, Seattle, Washington. Well, that also was the year that was the Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. And I had a student that was entering the world championships. And at that point, we didn't really know that much about, this was the first one ever. So we really, really didn't know what other countries were gonna bring to the table. We didn't know what type of things, you know, musicality, choreography and freestyle was going to be in that, at that time. So what I did was I took my student that I, had that was entering this competition, I took her to the uh, national qualifying uh, figure skating championships in Atlanta. And we sat there, we got first row seats and we sat there and I said to her, we're gonna watch all these skaters and we're gonna 
we're going to watch them see how they do what they do out on that big uh, floor, that big uh, sheet of ice by themselves with music in a costume. And we're going to figure out why it is that we like what we're seeing here. And we're going to try to maybe emulate that a little bit in what our activity is. So we actually took notes. And I remember Linda Fradiani um, was, she had done the, the program to Carmen. And it was just chock full of all types of expressive moments and with arms and gestures and body mo moments and, and movement that we just kept taking note, note after note. So we came home from that competition knowing a little bit about, which we didn't have the term back then, but nonverbal communication. We just liked what we saw. We liked the fact that they were out there performing and everybody was watching them and they were doing it to music. They were expressing in terms of a character. My student and I just absolutely loved that. So we honed in on that. And I think that really it's, it's a very interesting type of a thing. If you can take students to particularly events or sports or any performing arts uh, venue that is a little bit unfamiliar to you. I know now we always go to uh, Cirque du Soleil because you never know what you're going to see at Cirque du Soleil. And because of your exposure to all of the other performing arts, you're going to capture and really hold on to and retain a lot of aspects that you really love that you're going to then transfer over into your own teaching methods with your, with your students. So I, I still do that to this day and I still reflect back on that day in 19, 1980, when uh, we were just babies in, in the sport and, and babies in terms of uh, choreography. That's a great story. And I can just hear the passion in your voice when you talk about learning about choreography and watching it. What other things inspire you? I've always been inspired by the great late George Balanchine, who was the founder of the New York City Ballet. And here's why. George Balanchine was Russian. He defected from Russia. He came to New York, started New York City Ballet from literally nothing. And he was a great teacher. And he took the students, taught them skills, taught them choreography, and then he developed them in terms of um, artistic developing. So that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, the three stages, right? So this was all about George Balanchine, who's my idol. And what I liked about George Balanchine was that it was pure skill. It was that skill that translated into great vocabulary within a choreographed piece of music. And then it was, at the end of the day, it turned into something emotional. There was a feeling about that. And it, he always used a plain black leotard, very pure lighting. There wasn't fluff or a lot of, um, you know, visual overstimulated things that, uh, that you saw. You saw the purity of the dance, how it was beautifully choreographed to the music and how it really reflected some kind of an emotion and it left you with a feeling. So I've always studied his works. I've always felt so much from watching his works and he's been a big influence you know in me um, as, as I developed you know my, my work. Well Dale, <laughs> was there anything else to say? <laughs> well other than the fact that you know performance is really multifaceted, performance is great for kids, 
I've seen kids come out of their shell as being so introverted, but yet on the floor or on the stage, they just turn into a different person. And isn't that a wonderful thing to see someone that can really just layer their personality with an art form and, and a sense of performance that will help them in everything that they do in life. You know, and as teachers, as choreographers and as artistic developers, you know, that's our job, you know, and we tend to be even more proud of those kids that, that go on and utilize all of those life skills that we've taught them you know, in, in their future life. And, and I really think that uh, you know, we can really continue to do that you know, in, in the early stages of their development. So I strongly encourage everyone to seek out and really explore anything in terms of performance, anything in terms of, um, of artistry that you can and just really layer that and really use that in your own teaching and your own choreographing it's because you're, the rewards are, are just so spectacular. Mm. Wonderful. Dale, every time we talk, I learn something new and today was no different. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom and passion uh, with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very, very much for having me. you are a teacher who would like to apply for the Acrobatic Arts Creativity Scholarship, go to the Acrobatic Arts website, click on Training for Teachers, scroll down and you will find teacher scholarships. Thanks for listening everyone and have a great day.